Hi, it's Dave. It's been a tumultuous past few weeks and few months for the US and the world. Recently, it feels like a whole year's worth of events are wrapped up into every single month. In this video, I want to take a deeper look into some of the root causes for instability and things going on around the world. I'm calling it the lower class squeeze. I hope you enjoy today's video. In today's world, we've got a dichotomy of things going on. We have a lot of pain and anguish in the world, and that's being shown in protests, for example. But we also have like, the stock market and the NASDAQ, for example, hitting all-time highs again last week. And it's a very confusing world that we live in today. In this episode, I'm not going to be talking about investing per se, but rather I want to address some of the challenges our societies face at large. First off, before I start, I want to share my condolences to George Floyd his family, and to all those who are suffering along with him. I think it was a tremendously inhumane and cruel way for him to die, and I want to advocate for justice in our society. There's a lot of injustice in our world, and we can do better. Some people take the other side and say, hey, I don't see much injustice. But often we set up the world that we live in in the way that we're comfortable, and we're not just exposed to the things outside of our own personal world. But our society has a lot of parts and aspects that people just aren't familiar with. For example, I personally lived in the inner city of LA, Los Angeles, for about a decade in my 20s. And I was in the midst of a lot of pain, but also resilience. I would hear sirens every night, and I would see the realities of what poverty looked like in America. Every week I volunteered at a local drug rehab center, mentoring teens, and it was one of my focuses and passions in my 20s is to get deep into the pain and the suffering of the inner city and see what I could do. From my experience, I realized how divided our country really is. The suburbs are often insulated and you can feel like you're living in a complete universe, different universe. But even if you live in the city, you can go just a mile over and it's a completely different world. And it's this kind of division that leads us to a kind of communication gap where it feels like people are living in different worlds. Anyways, today I want to talk about what I call the lower class squeeze. And the issues that we face in our society are complex. And the lower class squeeze isn't the only major challenge that we face, but I think it's an important one and it's not being talked about enough. How do we understand the lower class squeeze? Let's look at a few charts. Here is the holdings of family wealth in 2013 dollars, several years ago. You have the top 10% going from about 30% all the way up to about 70%, right, since 1989. So the total family wealth of the top 10% has more than doubled in the past 30 years or so. Now, the 50th, 51th to 90th is pretty stable going up slightly, but the bottom 50% has not gone up at all much. All right, here's another um, chart showing the share of national income. Okay, so let's look at this chart. And here you have the top 1%. The share of national income is going from about 10% all the way up to about 20%. So it's doubled just in the past, um, let's say, 40 years or so. And then you have the bottom 50% here. And it's gone from 20% down to about 13%. So it's kind of switched places. And so the national income, the share of national income for the bottom 50% has decreased significantly over time. All right, let's look at US household wealth by income level. Here you have another chart. The red is the top 1%, 
top 0.1%. This is household wealth. And this is over time since the 1917, right, 1920s or so. But you see that, you know, the top 0.1% had about 25% um, at the peak um, back, you know, almost 100 years ago. It went down to about 10%, even lower, maybe about 6 or 7%. And now it's gone back up to almost about 25%, right, of national, of household wealth. While the bottom 90% has gone up to 35% in 1980 or so, and since 1980, it's gone down significantly down to about 20%. So you see, um, there's been a reversal of sorts. All right, so what is the response that people have for this type of wealth inequality or this growing wealth inequality in society? One common response I've been seeing all over the place are people blaming million uh, billionaires. Like, for example, you know, if you look at websites, look at TV shows, look at media, you'll see constantly kind of like this uh, massive kind of campaign against billionaires, right? And a lot of people are accusing billionaires as kind of the problem. However, I think a lot of it is scapegoating, right? It's just kind of easy to point to a person or a group of people saying that, oh, they're rich and selfish and they're the cause of our problems. And I think it's dangerous to scapegoat um, and to use it as an excuse. And rather, I think it's important to go deeper and to see what really is the cause or source of the problems. Hey, there's a lot of billionaires like, you know, look at Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you know, even Elon Musk. They're using their wealth, you know, to try to make a difference. You know, a lot of them have dedicated it, their wealth over to charitable purposes. So billionaires, just to label them all as a problem, I think that's a cop out. All right. Some people now are blaming capitalism and they're saying that our system of capitalism is broken. And there's a growing kind of chant and ideology that says, A, there's um, a socialism for the rich, right? The government bails out the rich, but there's a harsh capitalism for the working poor or the working class, and they're not getting the same privileges. And so you have this kind of uh, class warfare now that's coming into um, the view of our economic system or capitalism. However, I think it's dangerous to throw out the entire system, um, partially because if you look at the past hundred years and look at what capitalism, capitalism has done in terms of allowing for democracy to thrive in, in certain countries. And for countries that have completely thrown out capitalism, it has not been right a good experience and it's led to a lot of just um, oppressive governments um, over the ages. All right. Another response is people are blaming greedy companies. They, they're blaming CEOs, they're blaming um, companies that are just in it for profit. And I think that's, again, a, another scapegoat. It's easy to blame companies, but really are they the core essence right, of the problem for wealth inequality? Yeah, I don't think that that's the, the hitting the nail on the head. Um, in my view, I think it's important to see the problem for what it is, to see clearly what the problem is, and that way we can have a chance to actually find the right solution. If we miss the problem, we're never going to find um, the correct solution. I think a point that often is mis, I guess, understood or not talked about enough is the role of technology and the internet, and what inter the internet and technology has to do with wealth inequality. Um, if you look at internet and, te and technology, it's only been around for like, what, you know, in terms of internet, in the 90s, um, when I went to college, it's like we were still dealing with like text, you know, emails and, you know, um, it was just the beginnings of, you know, the HTTP protocol, the World Wide Web. And just within the, 
the past 20 years or so, right? You've seen this huge just transformation. And I think people are still yet to completely grasp what's going on, right? This is the fastest transformation economically, socially, um, politically, just um, in terms of technology and what technology is doing in the history of the world, right? And so um, this stuff is still in process. Now, I think one of the aspects of technology is that it opens up purchasing to everyone, meaning everyone can uh, spend money, right, and buy anything anywhere as long as they have the funds. However, the question is, does technology help people to earn money, right, the same as it helps them to spend money? I think there is some dichotomy of sorts. That technology is helping a group of people or some people to earn more. But in some, and in a lot of cases, these people are earning dramatically more. And the reason is they have bigger markets and they're able to market or spread the, their knowledge, right, into deeper or to broader um, people. And they have better products. They're able to leverage and they're able to use the um, impact and leverage of technology to cause disruption to make increasingly better products and services. However, technology also on the flip side is making it difficult for certain groups of people to earn money. For example, there's a lot of people who um, are in service jobs, right? And their service jobs are being eaten, eaten by technology, right? Um, you have increased competition, right? Technology is 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 evaporating in a sense, right? A lot of um, jobs is taking them out. You have less job security and entire industries are being disrupted. Like for example, with autonomous driving, look what's gonna happen, right? With millions of drivers on the road. And a lot of what technology is doing is it's helping some but making um, the lives of others more difficult. I think technology is a great enabler but it can also be brutal. It's because technology is emotionless. It's unempathetic, right? There isn't a personal relationship with technology. Technology is all about just stomping out inefficiencies, right? And those who could leverage, right, that technology, those technologies are in the driver's seat, right? And they can take advantage of what technology brings. But for those who can't or aren't able or aren't in the power position, those are the people that are getting um, kind of up, uh, getting squeezed in a sense. All right, so what's happening class-wise? I think the middle class in a lot of ways is struggling to keep up. They're struggling to create new job skills, to, to train, to, to learn more. And in a world without much job security, right, they're trying to reinvent their positions and reinvent their jobs. And, and a lot of middle class people are doing well, but in a lot of sense, there's a lot of stress, growing stress in the middle class. A lot of times two incomes, right, is barely enough uh, to, to get by on, in a middle class lifestyle. The upper class, in some ways, leverages capital and assets, meaning a lot of the upper class already ha has um, accumulated assets like stocks, like bonds, like real estate, etc. And they're able to leverage right, those assets to create more assets, right? They're able to you know, have income from real estate, they're able to have dividends from stocks, and they're able to invest their money. Not all upper class people are doing well. There's a lot of people who are doing not well and they're sinking down to the middle class. And then there's new people who are coming to the middle class. This is always a fluctuating uh, situation here. Now for the lower class, the lower class in general um, seems to be getting squeezed. And it's because they're, they're at a disadvantage in terms of the waves of technology. A lot of times with the lower class, they're challenged in terms of education, in terms of their skills, and in terms of their time. For example, you take a single mom who has two or three kids, 
and she doesn't have the skills and she doesn't have the education. Um, and some people might be saying, oh, why can't she just, you know, learn these new skills? But hey, she's taking care of, right, two or three kids, let's say young kids. And maybe she doesn't read well and she, it's hard for her to pick up some of these new skills. And for certain groups of people, um, they're at a disadvantage in terms of how they deal with technology and the disruption that technology is is happening, is doing. All right, let's take, um, let's have a couple things here. So I'm going to draw out a few things. So in some ways, technology is, is improving the pe um, people's ability to spend, right? And I think the middle class in some ways is trying to keep up with with that, but a lot of people are kind of having a hard time even keeping up um, with middle class lifestyle. Now you have the upper class in some ways, they're leveraging their assets, they're leveraging right um, their capital, and they're finding it, they have more and more to spend actually. So it's actually becoming um, easier and easier for them. And then you have, um, let's take this, um, let's do a blue color. Then you have the lower class, and their income is kind of like, you know, just stable. Um, and a lot of times it could be growing down, actually. Um, they can be losing jobs, whole industries, and they're struggling just to kind of keep up while the rest of society, it seems like, is, is going ahead, right? And this causes an additional kind of squeeze and impact on the lower class. All right, so what can be done here? Um, I don't think there's a real easy solution here. And I think it requires wisdom and a breadth of understanding and empathy. I think there's not a lot of people out there, especially leadership, and we need an exceptional leader who can understand right, the power of technology and the power of the internet to disrupt and to significantly just revolutionize right, the fabric of our society and our economy. And we need leadership to come in and to mitigate some of the harm and some of the disruption that's being done to especially those in the middle, middle class. All right, so I mean, if, if I was in position, I say running my own country, what would I do personally? Well, I think there's several things going on. Um, first, I think healthcare is a mess right now. You have families that are paying like $1,000 a month for healthcare. Some people are paying, some families are paying $2,000 a month for, for health insurance. Like not healthcare, just health insurance in the U.S. I think this is ridiculous. A lot of people in the U.S. don't even have health insurance. When they get sick, they're stuck with crazy hospital bills. I mean, bills that are completely like price gorging. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, let's say, for you know some some rather simple procedure, and they're stuck with the only option of going bankrupt. Right? You have a whole host of people just you know struggling with credit card debt. I think this healthcare issue is a bigger deal than a lot of people want to give credit for. I think we need to find a solution. Um, I, I think in our society, especially the US, I don't think uh, universal health care is something that um, is impossible. I think it's definitely a doable thing. We need to bring our uh, minds together to figure out a way. All right, second is, is schools. I think in our society, we have this kind of this um, unfair system where you have schools in lower income geographies and cities and areas that just aren't comparable in terms of the level of education to those in the middle and upper class neighborhoods. Like for example, I live in Southern California. You go to almost any upper class neighborhood and their schools are excellent in terms of you know, what the kids are, are, are doing or able to learn. Um, there are safe environments. I mean, 
I personally am not a fantastic fan of you know institutional education in general, but in terms of um, relative, you know, uh, comparing these middle and upper class schools are so much better off than those in the lower class neighborhoods. Some of these lower class neighborhood schools are just really struggling, and I think um, an exceptional leader in the government um, and a leader who leads a government like this needs to step in and say, hey, we're going to pri prioritize the schools in the neighborhoods that need help. Right? They should be getting extra resources and additional you know, um, ways to get better. Third is, I think we need to incentivize companies and organizations who are empowering the lower class, meaning for those companies who are going into difficult neighborhoods or going into the hood and hiring hundreds of people uh, for jobs, we need to incentivize that by giving them, whether it's tax breaks or even you know some type of grants, etc. The government really needs to put a focus on this, I think. We also need to incentivize organizations who are doing the same. Um, lastly, I think we need to really tackle systemic racism and discrimination. There's a, ma a problem of mass incarceration going on in our society, and it's just really um, propagating and perpetuating a lower class squeeze where people who have criminal records for just, you know, kind of light crime, they might be in possession of some drugs or something, and they have a criminal record and they have a hard time now getting a job and they're just stuck kind of in the criminal system. We need to fix some of these, these issues and we need to do it very pointedly and very quickly. All right, the difficult part though is I think we can't just spend our way out of these problems. See, there's a growing kind of chorus of people who say, oh, let's just spend trillions and trillions of dollars, right, and spend our way, but we don't have trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars spent. Our federal de debt is just growing at the moment, right? What, 20, mid 20 billion, trillion dollars, right? Um, before you know it, in a few years, it will be probably over 30 trillion dollars. And we're in a situation where we're needing not just to um, kind of spend, you know, f completely. We need to hit the solution. We need to hit the mark. We need to fix the problem. And in order to, to do that, we need the clarity of thought to really understand what's going on with this problem. And it comes back to exceptional leadership and insight. Our society and societies around the world are at a crossroads. And we could try to push away kind of the instability. We can try to push away this growing kind of class animosity in our society and societies around the world, but it keeps on cropping up. Politics and governments and elections are now being you know, influenced by class animosity. And you might think that, hey, I'm just going to stick my head under the sand and just focus on my own investments and my own life. But that's not the reality of how the world works. Everyone and everything is connected. And you might think that, hey, I'll be okay if I, even if other people aren't. But no, that's not how society works. When people and a large group of people and a growing group of people are in pain, even if it's perceived pain, that pain and injustice needs to be addressed in some way. And to do so, and the ability for us to do so in a smart way, right, in a competent way, is going to determine the impact in the future of our country and countries around the world. All right, I hope you enjoyed today's video. Go ahead, give it a like, subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you in my next video. Thanks.